Welcome to the Veterinary Business Matters Podcast, brought to you by Oculus Insights. Here we will discuss topics related to veterinary business management. From small to large animal, this podcast strives to give you the insight and tools to help you improve your veterinary business. Oculus Insights, supporting businesses where great people want to be. Hi, and welcome back to another episode of Hire the Smile, the podcast from Oculus Insights. I'm Mike Connell, joined as usual with Katie Arline, our human resource specialist. Hello again, Katie. Hello. So we put together this podcast to talk about all things uh, related to the people in veterinary practices. We spend a lot of time at Oculus working with practices on their people management, uh, their most important asset, their people. And so we thought, let's just keep on talking about it because you ask most vets and their biggest challenge in their business is managing their people. So uh, let's talk more about it. And so every week we look at two articles and we discuss it and the context of them to veterinary practices. And we do our wins and fails in human resources. So, Katie, you picked a really cool article. Let's start off with this one this week. For sure. So the article that I chose this week uh, was from uh, HR Director Magazine, written by Neruda Syed from June 2020. And it's called Why COVID-19 is Aggravating Leadership Burnout. So we've talked a lot about employees and how to handle employees and and what to do for them as managers and as leaders, but we haven't necessarily focused on the leaders themselves and the managers even um, to drill down to a little more granular level. So I thought this was an interesting article uh, to kind of bring that up and to start talking about these things because it's been a few months now. And, you know, as leaders, we tend to be chickens with our heads cut off uh, at the beginning of a crisis. And I thought that this article really pointed out some interesting thinking and talking points about all of this. I was listening to a podcast this morning and I just, I've had a real backlog. And one of the challenges of just being, you know, homebound, housebound because of COVID, I don't listen to as many podcasts anymore. Mm -hmm. So I'm still catching up. So I was listening to one this morning from like the second week of April. And it's interesting. He's like, yeah, we'll probably be just locked down for another couple of weeks. And, you know, Mm -hmm. they're saying things will be back to normal soon. It's just like, ah, the innocence, the innocence of March and April. Yeah. The halcyon days. (laughs) Oh, and meanwhile, it's still going on. So, yeah, absolutely. So, this article basically talks about it it focuses somewhat on remote work, which isn't necessarily, uh, you know, something that's been a reality for a lot of veterinarians or support staff, uh, but to some extent for managers who have still been at home trying to manage, which is very difficult. Uh, So, you know, what they're saying is that the remote work model has really cut down on that work-life separation. So we're not even talking work-life balance. We're talking work-life separation. You know, balance implies that you have some kind of uh, control over what happens. Whereas this is like, you know, you're trying to do your job while you're trying to parent and, you know, before the summer hit, trying to somehow school your children. And sometimes, you know, for some people, if they have coworkers who are off or uh, aren't able to work for some reason due to COVID, then they've got an increased workload as well. So, you know, for staff, that's been crazy. Uh, But also, you know, it's almost worse for, for managers and leaders. So the article talks about, going back to what you said, it says, we were originally led to believe that we may have a disruption for a course of several weeks, but that there was never a conversation, at least initially, about several months. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so at the beginning, we were unsure of the timeline, and you're sort of unsure about how to scale your response. 
And I know from my perspective uh, for Oculus clients, and you'll be able to sort of speak to your perspective as uh, owner of McKee panel as well is, you know, you're sort of like full throttle and you're trying to figure out what's happening. You're trying to figure out what you need to do for everybody everywhere, but you're also still trying to do your own, you know, your regular job at the same time. Uh, and that's a lot. I mean, yep. the pandemic was a full-time job for us for weeks, but I mean, we didn't know there was an absence of information and it wasn't anybody's fault. This is an emergent situation. Yeah. You know, it's interesting about two weeks ago, I took my first weekday off. Usually my mm -hmm. wife and I take the first week of August off as a vacation. We didn't do it this year. Just, you know, catching up backlog of cases still. She's a practicing vet in the practice and there's just so much going on. And it hit me about two weeks ago and we took that day off. No, it was last Wednesday and I am exhausted. And it's mm -hmm. not like it's a usual time where, you know, we work Monday to Friday, do a little bit of work on the weekend maybe, but you know, I usually try to keep it fairly separate. And I just realized the cumulative stress of COVID and everything else was like, I just need a day. I mean, I need more than a day. But mm -hmm. I'll, I'll take a day during the week. It's not for several weeks. It's been for several months. And boy, it, it adds up. You have to be able to take care of yourself. Well, we'll talk about that later when we talk about your article. But uh, I think uh, often leaders are so concerned about taking care of their staff, they definitely forget about themselves and forget that they need a break too. Mm -hmm. If you think about, you know, this isn't just leaders, but this is everybody, you're dealing with stuff outside the workplace too. So you're dealing with uh, worrying about elderly family members, you're worried, like I said before, about your kids and and making sure they're taken care of, and just sort of about, you know, what's going on in the world as well. And that's that's pretty pretty scary stuff. And I thought it was interesting too, because the article talks about how, you know, people pre-pandemic talk about being in a routine and how, you know, they're in a rut and they're doing the same thing over and over. And then COVID comes along and dumps everything on its head. And they're like wishing for the days of routine when they could drop their kids off at school or see them to the school bus or, or see them uh, to the sidewalk to walk to school. And then they had their day set out, they had their work day and they could come home. And that's all been so disrupted. And that's a really hard thing to get used to. And then now you got a lot of people, regardless of where you are, if the concerns are bringing the kids back to school. So there's just yeah. so much going on. Uh, you know, I know at McKee panel, we have several of our managers, not several, but a handful of our managers, you know, with children at home. Mm -hmm. uh, they've been at home with the kids since mid-March. They love their children, but they're tired just because it's always on. Yeah. You know, trying to get work done during the day. My husband has a coworker who... She has three kids. I think the oldest one is 12. And then there's some quite young ones under that. And she's trying to work full time. Her husband's in construction. He's gone 6am to like 8pm every day. So she's trying to wrangle her very, very high energy children, do her work. And she's, you know, doing it first thing in the morning or doing it late at night. And it's just, it's impossible to catch up. Yep. So um, the article talks about you know, making sure that you have empathy for staff and empathy for yourself as well. I mean, it's okay to be anxious. It's okay to not be able to do it all. And I think uh, it's a bit of a mind shift for us to, to take that in and to really say, okay, this is all right. You know, and I can say no, or I can take a look at my new routine and sort of accept it and say, what can I do to make sure I'm surviving through this? I think that's, it's really important. As a manager or a leader of an organization, I think one of the best things you can do is just when somebody says, you know, hey, I've got to do something with my children or they're, you know, whatever is to say, absolutely. And like, mm -hmm. don't even think about it. I know a couple of times we've had, oh, I got to 
take off for the afternoon because of whatever reason. And I think as as managers of a business, we're just adding to the guilt and the, the stress if we're saying, oh, do you really need to go now? Or, you know, oh my we're, gosh, we're depending yeah. on you. I mean, no, like go, just you can also have empathy for managers who, I mean, you know, not necessarily a, a business owner, but a manager who might have to, you know, be a CSR, a customer service rep two days a week because somebody's out and they're trying to deal with COVID and they're trying to do their managerial job. So, you know, all those extra roles they're taking on, that's a lot of stress. And I think though, if you show your staff empathy, then they'll be more willing to show you empathy as well as, as leader, you know, for yourself, Taking one day off in six months, I think, you know, nobody, nobody would be judging you or, or uh, Dr. McKee and saying, what are these people doing taking time off? They're probably like, thank goodness, they're finally taking time for themselves and taking some time to decompress. Mm-hmm. Nobody wants a hero because long term, that's just not a good place to be. No. And that's one of the things I was recognizing is just like, uh, I need a day. I just need to do nothing about work today. I just need to read a good mystery novel and just sit out on the deck and enjoy life. Yeah. So to that end, this article, the end of the article talks about this oxygen mask theory. So, you know, remember when we flew on planes and, uh, uh, I know uh, this things that are in the sky, they're like a big metal tube. But uh, in the, the safety briefing at the beginning, they always say, make sure that you put your own mask on before you help uh, somebody next to you. And it, this is kind of what their premise is, is that you have to be able to put on your own oxygen mask. You have to make sure that you're uh, taking time to decompress. And I mean, it's not like you have to go to an island for a month to decompress, but it could be something simple like a five minute walk, uh, making sure that you're taking dinner with your family. Uh, and that's, I mean, that's helping you, but really it's, it's helping the people around you, you know? And I, I know, um, when I worked as a manager in a practice, you could always tell when the boss was stressed because, you know, their attitude was different. You're like, can you please just go away? (laughs) Are you talking about me, Katie? Are you talking about me? I'm not naming any names whatsoever, but it was like, okay, it's like somebody needs a day off. So the staff can tell. And I think when it's us, your stress level kind of ratchets up over time. And then to you, it's your new normal. And the staff might be like, oh my gosh, this is this person is out of control and they need to take some time off. So you can't always see it in yourself. And you sort of have to think, like really look at yourself objectively and and think about what kind of impact am I having on people right now for sure. And I think that's part of, that's one of the hardest things. And that's one of the reasons why I love this article too, because that oxygen mass theory is spot on. But I think you touched upon something that I think something we can all do every day is give ourselves some time to just do something else. Whether it's just, I'm going to do a walk, I'm going to go outside, it's nice weather now, or close the door, shut your eyes for 15 minutes, just to pause that refreshes. I think those little things can help a lot. I've started taking two because it's so nice outside, even like phone calls. If I can do it when I'm outside taking a walk, I'm going to do it. Yeah. Just to get outside and just to to see something different. It really is just it's just helpful. And I just think we need to give ourselves, you know, especially as managers or leaders, we're like, well, we gotta set the example. I'm like, well, set the example of you're taking care of yourself. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that will go a lot further than you expect. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, you should know what you need and your staff should know what they need best. Uh, so just making sure that they have space to take a day off if they need a day off. Yep. Um, and I, I thought the last part that was in here too, that was interesting is uh, they were talking about how in times of crisis, we get into that command and control, that authoritative top down 
crisis management type style of leadership, which is definitely, you know, needed at this at the start of a crisis. But think about, you know, pacing yourself a little bit. That's not something that you need to do for months at a time, because that's a stressful place to be as an employee is to be under that kind of management. So, you know, it's not a, a long term plan, it can really burn people out. So it becomes so oppressive. And, you know, we always talk about in business, there's a lot of things we can't control. And so mm-hmm. deal with what you can control and mm-hmm. just let the rest happen. And so, yeah, we can't really control COVID. We can't control what's going on in the rest of the world. So there has to be some areas where we do have control. And as a manager, I would think, I don't know what you would think, but if you're always on command and control, you're taking away any kind of power anybody would have over their lives. And it's just, I think with everything else that's going on in life, it's just too much, just way too much. Yeah. And you're kind of, you're um, leaning into that micromanagement, which we've talked about in a previous podcast, Absolutely. you know, and, and really trying to control every single factor. And it's just impossible. Yep. It's not great for anybody. So, you know, see that at the beginning because everybody's just trying to figure out what the heck's going on, but that's not a long-term solution. That's for sure. Yeah. No, I think uh, what I'm finding actually now as, as, a, as a manager and a leader of a, of a company is actually being a reassuring presence in terms mm-hmm. of, hey, we have a direction going forward. But I think I'm actually a lot more hands-off uh, than I have been just because I think everybody, you got to trust people. You got to let them navigate this, let, let them deal with the situations. Clients are different. Mm-hmm. Everybody's different. And everybody knows what what the outcome they need to get, how they get there is up to them. Yeah. I always like to tell uh, folks that we work with, particularly managers who are overwhelmed and stressed and, you know, up at night and worrying. uh, And this kind of goes back to a Dale Carnegie thing is, did you do your absolute best today with the information you had, you know, and could you have done anything else? If your answer is yes, I've done all that I can you should be able to sleep at night because you've done all you could and that's enough. (laughs) I mean, you Mm. can't do any more than you can. So just cutting yourself a bit of slack as well. Nobody's perfect all the time, particularly now. And I remember at the beginning of COVID when everything was changing and government, you know, sitting by the TV at like 11 o'clock when our uh, leader of Canada, Justin Trudeau would come on and talk about what the government was doing. And it was like, this emergent, you know, oh my gosh, what's happening and, and what are we going to do about it? And what, what uh, programs are we going to have for the government to support the staff? And what does that all mean? And how does it all work? That's a super stressful time. And I mean, you can only know what's in front of you. So I just tell everybody to, to cut people slack and cut themselves slack Yep. first, that oxygen mask theory. Yeah, absolutely. That is the, one of the hardest things to do, but one of the more beneficial things we can do is cutting ourselves some slack. Mm-hmm, absolutely. We're our own worst critics always. Holy, yeah. You think? Uh, yeah. So do you have any other thoughts about this article before we move on to yours? No, no. But I think it's very, it's a complimentary to the article that I'll talk about. And this one came from Forbes magazine, July 30th, and it's by Amy Blaschka. And the title is, This is the Best Way to Avoid COVID Burnout. And we'll have links to these articles into the podcast notes. So basically, you know, they, she talks about, you know, burnout and the World Health Organization defines burnout as a syndrome uh, that results from chronic workplace stress that has not been successfully managed. And they talk about three dimensions categorize it. Number one, feelings of energy, depletion, or exhaustion. That was me last week or when I needed that day off. Yeah. Increased mental distance from one's job or feelings of negativism or cynicism related to one's job and reduce professional efficacy. 
And what's interesting is they say that they believe that the, you know, most of us think the, the primary cause of burnout is just too much work. Mm-hmm. But what she argues is that it's, how does she say, it's lack of connection to your work. Uh, so right. you're, you're disengaged at the workplace, feeling undervalued, feeling that you're not working on something meaningful and broken communication, which I think is probably the biggest stress right now is broken communication because everybody's just kind of making this up as we're going along. And it's just, it's, you know, we're, we're learning. So we lose our sense of identity and become reactive. And that's really where she's been focusing on in terms of how people are getting burnt out right now. Mm-hmm. And so after, you know, as we said, not five weeks, but five to six months of dealing with this global pandemic, this just exaggerates everything. Mm-hmm. One of the things and I, I think, you know, when we're talking about connection. How do we get connected back to the workplace? And I think one of the things she talks about that I thought was really good is really pause the self-judgment. The I'm failing leads to I'm a failure. And, you know, I, I know I blogged about this at the very beginning of the pandemic as a leader of, and this is something I'm better at it now, but it's something that still comes back is because as the leader or manager of a business, there's much more responsibilities on us right now. Mm-hmm. And the ramifications of our decisions can have more impact. And so, you know, when the, this first started and as you said, you know, we're all huddled around the radio listening to the words of the leader trying to figure out where things are happening. And then in turn, communicating back to the people that work with you, you know, you doubt yourself a lot. And I mean, a couple of times in the first few weeks of this, I mean, I would get into some pretty dark places at night, just doubting myself and like, am I up for it? Am I making the right choices? Am I, you know, taking care of the people as well as I can? And I just realized that that's just not a healthy way to look at things. It's not like I said, I'm going to stop doing it. But one of the things I, I stopped doing is reading social media after like dinner time, because forget the COVID. I'm just, there's just so much other chaos going on in the world that will just really bring you down. So I just stopped looking at outside, I, I, you know, and starting to be more internally motivated and not be influenced by outside forces. Again, going back to what we said earlier is control what you can control. Mm-hmm. And, and so, yeah, like, okay, let's turn the TV off at a certain time. Let's not watch the news. Let's not look at social media. Let's look at a book or watch a, you know, a, a pleasurable TV show or a movie, you know, thankfully we have plenty of options for that. So that has really helped me. And I think that is one of the things that when I'm talking to people, it's just like, we got to get out of that negative feedback loop. It's so hard. Yeah. And, you know, doubting yourself. And uh, I mean, it's a time of crisis and it's unprecedented. So of course you're going to have doubts, but you can only do what you can do with the information you have at the time. Mm -hmm. And this is where it also comes back to, you know, if you're looking for direction or what's the right, what's the right answer, going back to your company's core values and saying, what do those values say? Yep. That should definitely help you get the rudder sort of back and get you going in the direction you need to go in. So remembering sort of that culture that you've built and those things that you've put in place uh, are there to help you. And uh, that's not something to forget when crisis comes around. And then also focus, you know, step back and go, okay, has anybody in our, you know, our organization gotten sick? No. Have our clients had a bad interaction with us? I mean, it's not, you know, if you're doing curbside delivery and what have you, it's not, or curbside pickup, it's not the best. 
Mm-hmm. But are you still managing to do what you're doing as a vet? Are you being able to fulfill what you're doing as a veterinary practice? And, you know, the answer is yes, a little bit slower. But, you know, hey, yes, we're still being vets. We're still taking care of animals. So I think we do need to have those pauses in the day to reflect on what's going right. Even you have to go to somebody maybe to say is, this is a good trick is, you know, I, I have one of my managers that comes to me is like, I just kind of bounce. I just, my head is full of stuff yeah, and I'm not sure I'm in the right path. So can I just bounce ideas off of you and just get affirmation that I'm on the right place? So yes. And, and I think that's a great coping technique and I would encourage other people to do it. It's just, you know, what? can I just bounce this idea off you? Yeah. We're on the right track. Okay, great. Yeah. And I mean, it really outlines that the need for that self-awareness or knowing your own and owning your emotional state and knowing what you need and opening up if, if there's something that you need help with. Uh, nobody expects anybody to be like a Teflon frying pan and impervious to everything. That's just not uh, something that people are looking for. So, you know, saying, uh, I don't know, but I'll find out or we're working on that or, you know, just not taking things personally and just sort of not taking everything as a plus or a minus on your managerial checks and balances sheet. You know, you're just doing what you can with the information you have. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing is binary now. It's no. It's lots of shades of gray. Absolutely. Yeah. Then the other recommendation is to be open about your struggles and yes, failures. And this is particularly true of leaders who always want to appear invincible, which is Mm -hmm. never a good idea in the first place. But I think, you know, as leaders, we we do make mistakes. As managers, we make mistakes. We have to be open about it. Without going into too much personal detail, I was having a meeting with some of my vets at one of the practice last week, and one of them asked a question, and I totally botched the answer. Like, I botched it. And it was one of those things, and it just it kind of blindsided me. It was a great question, and it was a question that they should have asked, but I was unprepared for it. And that's fine. You know, we can't uh, have the answers for everything. But I went back to them about three days later and I said, you know what? My answer was not a good one. And I, it's not sitting well with me. And I'm, I think the, the three or of you, four of you are pondering what's going on there. And I, so I shared something that had happened to me over the last year that I hadn't really shared with anybody yet. And when I shared that with them, they're like, ah, you know what? That was uncharacteristic of you of how you responded. So we all felt something was not right. Mm-hmm. But, oh my gosh, thank you for sharing what you did. That makes so much more sense. And wow, it really has brought our team together because now knowing where you're coming from, knowing what we're going through, this makes sense. And yeah, together we'll we'll, we'll be better. And it, it really made me feel so much better as a leader to say, I got vulnerable, shared something personal, they got it, we went on with it. So I think that was uh, reaffirmed something that I knew about leadership. Every once in a while, you got actually got to do it. Definitely. And I think that vulnerability and telling people the rest of the story, you know, that that also cuts down on the assumption and people kind of making up their own reality. So absolutely, you need to give them the facts and uh, you stop that sort of that cyclical that ruminating that they're going to be doing about what the real story is and, and whether you're yeah. supportive or not or whatever the case is. I think you bring up a good thing. And I think, you know, we talked about, you know, why is burnout caused is being disengaged, lack of communication. And I think as leaders, managers, we have to communicate much more than what we were used to and maybe what we feel what we're not comfortable with. Because as you said, in, in times of change, 
people are looking for clues of where we are. They're looking for assurances of both the business or clarity, at least. Maybe not. Maybe there's nothing to assure them about, but at least here, here's what's going on. And in the absence of you as the leader or manager telling people, they're going to make up their own stories. And that's mm -hmm. going to start feeding on itself. And so then without you saying, you know, this is where we're going. These are the challenges that we're going to have. Here's some progress on this. Oops, we're going to have to shift where we are going because things are different. People are going to start going, um, yeah, the, the whatever the story is, they'll make it up. And, yeah. And, and that's dangerous. Yes. And that's so hard to unravel. Absolutely. Because once that reality is cemented, it's really hard to knock it down. So Yeah. If there's anything I could just say to anybody, it's just keep communicating. And, and in different ways, because not everybody, you know, reads your company-wide emails or what have you. So you just got to make sure everybody's getting it. The last point she brought up is what we, one is that we talked about earlier is to find that balance, your concept of balance. When do you have to shut off? When do you have to turn it back on again? And not feeling bad that you are shutting down or not doing work. And I think, you know, I'm working from home, you're working from home. It's hard every time you walk by your office or your, you know, your laptop at the kitchen table, you're like, oh, I got to do this. I got to do that. It's like, nope. Sometimes you just got to stop. Shut the door. Yeah. Shut the door. Literal or figurative. Exactly. So yeah, these are really some good articles. I think they're really relevant for any business, but I think, you know, they're also really relevant for veterinary practices because, uh, yeah, we have been focusing a lot on the staff, but we also got to take care of the leaders and managers. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Good stuff. All right. So wins and fails. Do you have mm -hmm. any this mm -hmm. week? What are you where? <laughs> So my big fail, uh, there was an article that came out last week, August 11th. Uh, the Wall Street Journal did a big, long sort of expose article on how the staff that work on cruise ships were treated by their the owners of the cruise ships after COVID happened. So this is after uh, clients disembarked, uh, and they were talking about how the, there was really no plan for taking care of the staff. And I know that it was hard because a lot of ports shut down to cruise ships, you know, right at the beginning, there were a couple of those cruise ships that had astronomical cases, uh, you know, per hundred, just because of the nature of a cruise ship right at the beginning of COVID. So, you know, they, they didn't have anywhere to disembark, but also, so, I mean, there's not much they could have done about that, but I think what they were really upset about is how they were on the ships. There wasn't any communication. So like we were talking about, sometimes they would say, okay, in two hours, you're going to get moved to this other ship and they'd have to disembark and get on another ship. And then by the time their flights home were arranged, it was, you know, it could be like five flights and 26 hours of traveling to get home from where they were finally able to get off the ship. And also they were worried because the cruise ship owners didn't have sufficient PPE they weren't really doing a lot of cleaning and sanitizing once the staff were gone or once the clients were gone. So the staff was left very vulnerable and some of them, a lot of them weren't getting paid anymore. So they're stuck on the cruise ship, not getting paid uh, and really sort of prisoners. You know, one was saying how he actually contracted COVID, you know, not bad enough to need to be emergency taken off the ship, but he was stuck in his berth for two weeks uh, in an inside berth with no windows, which to me is just like, oh, I just prison. can't even imagine. And it's not like uh, a crew berth is anything as nice as uh, even an inside berth for a, a customer. So, you know, I think that the cruise ship lines, they had obviously a really unprecedented and crazy situation on their hands that they had to deal with, but it doesn't sound like uh, things were, were taken care of all that well. So that is my fail. 
my fail of the week. Well, let me share if my fail. So this is a personal thing, and I sound like a broken record because I always keep on coming back to the anti-mass people and just the, the, the lack of appreciation and concern for your community. So every Friday, there's a great restaurant in Guelph. This guy makes the best Vietnamese Thai food. Um, taste with Andy. Blatant plug. <laughs> so I got a soft spot. Great chef. But here he is. This is a guy trying to make a business. Uh, he opened up two weeks before the shutdown with COVID. Oh, geez. Just, you know, the guy's struggling. and he, But he's talented. He has great food. He's trying so hard. You know, just a great. Oh, he just loved the story. And I was there last Friday picking up our weekly takeout order. And so I was so happy another customer is in there. It was mid-afternoon. I was like, oh, good. He's got more work. And then I felt so bad that even though in the town of Guelph, when you're inside, you have to wear a mask. Mm -hmm. This guy showed up kind of belligerent, but sort of like walks in, no masks, and starts ordering food. And I felt so bad for Andy because he's sitting there because he wants the the revenue this person is going to bring. And it was such an uncomfortable position because I'm in there with a mask. Andy's wearing a mask. And I just felt so bad that, you know, he's having to deal with a customer who refuses to wear a mask. And like a lot of small businesses, he was put in a position of taking unnecessary risks mm -hmm. for his business. So, so I'm just, you know, just again, this general sense of to uh, my fail of to people is, Wear your mask. It's not for you. It's for other people. And if yeah. this guy gets sick, he's got a young family. There's more going on in the world than our own concerns, whether we want to wear a mask or not. So that's my fail. And I'll try not to do anything about mask next week. <laughs> That'll be my turn. <laughs> oh, I just felt bad. But anyway, if you're in the uh, Guelph area, great food. Mm, I'll have to go up there. Yeah, it's spectacular. Nice. Okay, wins. So my win really uh, cutting edge research that was done that showed that uh, there was a company that did a survey of 2000 people, uh, cat owners. And as it turns out, cats really helped people get through quarantine. So what they found was people who had cats uh, said that 57% of them said that having their cat helped them feel less alone during quarantine. 49% said that their cat helped them feel less anxious uh, half the people said that it helped uh, them encourage around their space. I guess it depends on the energy level of your cat. 41% <laughs> uh, said that having a cat gave them someone to talk to. Uh, and then 35% said that having a cat brought a feeling of positivity into my day. So as mutual cat lovers, I thought that this was uh, a really hardcore HR <laughs> related positive <laughs> news story. <laughs> You know how many Zoom meetings I've been on recently, and all of a sudden you just see this cat tail go back and forth, back and forth, and everybody's so apologetic. I was on a call yesterday, and the and the person on the other end was you could hear the cat crying, and like she was so upset, and I was like, because it looks so unprofessional. I'm like, bring the cat in. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's funny you never see dogs. No, <laughs> just cats that are like, why are you talking to somebody that's not me? Yeah, exactly. So my win, I'm going to have a win for communication and I'm going to sort of pat the back of a key panel equine services. So what we do, we use Slack and Slack is a group messaging channel. And it's a great way for us to communicate back and forth across a practice. We have three locations, but it's great communication within the practice and across between the practices. 
Right. And so we have one called a channel called Gold Stars, where we encourage people to really do shout outs to when people go above and beyond. And what I really loved reading last week was, uh, and even this week, two cases. Uh, we have a, a rehab farm uh, where we have horses that come in, and uh, sometimes it's it's crazy busy. Sometimes it's a bit steadier, and you can never really plan when horses are going to show up. And it was just so heartwarming reading uh, a gold star for the people that came in on their weekend to help out and stayed late and to be around to help with uh, doing uh, medications and what have you. And I, I just loved reading it because you just see this team that's just so engaged and so into it and take care of each other and as well as taking care of their patients. And there was one that came in yesterday where it's just we had uh, we just had a bunch of MRI work you do, you just excessive MRI and and then people you know just came in and helped each other out and helped clean up and I was just ah, I just felt so good seeing how this team is working so well amidst everything that's going on so I just love the the gold star is to just having that team that just loves to share how much they enjoy working with each other well and I think it's a testament to the culture at McKee panel too that that's what they do you know oh, it's like absolutely. how can we help each other yeah sure. no and it was just but it was just nice to see that it works it I was re- listening to something uh, earlier today, and they're saying that a, a crisis doesn't shape your character, it reveals it. And mm-hmm. it, to me, it really reveals what we're doing at McKee Panel has a very people first attitude, and it shows. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So that was my pat on the back for the nice. win. Yeah. So um, we'll be back in two weeks. That will be just after or just before uh, Labor Day weekend. And that's going to be a different time. Usually we have an Oculus Summit the weekend after mm-hmm. uh, Labor Day, but that's been canceled, of course. So I will also say as a teaser, we're going to have something pretty special to announce in two weeks, a new service from Oculus that I think a lot of people will like it and find it very useful for them. Uh, I don't want to say anything more than that. We're just fine tuning the website right now to make sure everything works. And then, yeah, I think uh, our next episode, we'll be able to release it live and talk about it. Nice. Suspense. Oh yeah, absolutely. Well, thanks again. Uh, Have a great rest of the day. And to everybody else, thank you for listening. And if you have any questions or if there's anything you'd like us to comment or uh, there's a subject that you'd like us to discuss, drop us a line at info at oculusinsights.net or on our Facebook page or LinkedIn page. Uh, Until the next time, we look forward to chatting and keep your people happy. Right on. Happy trails. Thanks, Mike. See ya. At Oculus Insights, we care a lot about animals, but we also care about the health of the veterinary profession. Our goal is to support veterinary businesses around the world by helping you clear your path to success. 